الرحمن الرحيم إن عدة الشهور عند الله اثنا عشر شهرا في كتاب الله يوم خلق السماوات والأرض منها أربعة حرم وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم من وسع على عياله يوم عاشوراء وسع الله عليه السنة كلها أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم Most respected Ulamai Kiram Brothers and elders When a person is traveling on the road there are various signboards that keep coming up somewhere there will be a signboard giving him maybe some information about how far away he might be from his destination some signboard might be telling him to be cautious because there's some sharp bends that are coming in some signboard might be giving him some other warning signals but throughout the journey and throughout the road he keeps finding these signboards that guide him that remind him that make him alert and as a result when he takes note of those signboards then he safely reaches his destination in the cause of the year that we pass from time to time there are these auspicious occasions what is the hikmah and wisdom in this Allah alone knows the total and deep wisdoms in all these things but for our purposes, we can understand them as these signboards. The month of Ramadan came was a very, very big signboard. Look, come back to Allah Ta'ala. The month of Ramadan finished off and the first 10 days of Zul Hijjah, very auspicious days. This signboard came. Come back to Allah Ta'ala. Look, don't let the dunya become the focus of your life. Don't let that become the object of your life. Come back to Allah Ta'ala. And then Zul Hijjah has passed and now comes the month of Muharram. The entire month has special significance. In the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Wasallam says that every day of the month of Muharram, the fast of it is equivalent to the fast of one month. Each day, the fast of one month. And then comes the 10th of Muharram, which has increased significance. And Nabi Wasallam says that the person who fasts on this day this is a compensation of the fast of one year's minor sins. The previous year's minor sins, this is a compensation. Now what is this telling us? What is the signboard all about? The signboard is that look, keep your accounts clean with Allah Ta'ala. Because at any time a person might have to just suddenly board the flight of Akhirat. And when that moment comes, now it's too late to start making Hisab Kitab at that time. Because all that time, it's now over for him. He has to now account in Akhirat. But while he has life, he has a chance to clear his records by making sincere Tawbah. So these things are reminding, come fast this one day and you will get this reward, your sins will get forgiven. But in that process now, a person is naturally going to become more inclined to Allah Ta'ala. He'll raise his hands and make some dua. He's likely to shed tears of repentance. Then inshallah, he'll make sincere tawbah from his major sins also. And as a result, he'll be able to move ahead in life in a manner that is pleasing to Allah Ta'ala. So these are all signboards that are coming. 
But unfortunately, what happens often is, while on the one hand, mashallah, we take advantage of the, taking the reward of those opportunities and those auspicious occasions, but very seldom, or if not very seldom, more often than not, it doesn't make any real change for the way forward. Whatever life was being led prior to that occasion, carries on after that. Month of Ramadan came, mashallah, we became very conscious of deen, the masjid was full, people were reciting Quran Sharif, and people were staying away from places of haram, and barely the day of Eid came, it was like everything just fizzled away. And then comes the next auspicious occasion, and again the same cycle. So while on the one hand, mashallah, to take the advantage of that occasion, and take the rewards, take the benefits, it's excellent, mashallah. But what lasting change has it made in us, that is a thing to reflect on. Now one is the virtues of these occasions, one is we already have discussed the virtue of the fasting of this day, then together with that there's the virtue of being generous on one's family on this day. The Hadith Sharif Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam The person who's generous upon his family on the day of Ashura, Allah Ta'ala will be generous upon him throughout the year. So now this is an additional virtue we should try to acquire and attain. And this is at the same time giving us the lesson of generosity. That Islam, there are these very special traits that it has developed in a mu'min. And among those special traits, one is that of generosity. And if you look into the life of Rasulullah then this generosity had been displayed at its peak. In which way? That while sometimes the quantity might have been minimal because that was all that was available. But the generosity was this, that nothing was ever held back. Somebody need, asked for something, somebody had some need, and Nabi Wasallam was requested for to fulfill that need, if he didn't have anything, there were occasions where he said to the person that look, you go and take a loan on my name. I don't have anything now. Go and take a loan on my name. When I have the funds, I will pay it on your behalf. Once one person came and asked for something and Nabi Salaam said something of this nature to him. So he perhaps had come prior to that as well. Umar said to Nabi Salaam, Allah Ta'ala didn't make you responsible for more than what you can do. At this moment you don't have anything. And now you are putting yourself into this burden of debt on behalf of somebody else. Nabi Salaam was not happy about this. Another Sahabi was sitting and he heard this conversation and he said to Nabi Salaam, he is saying to Nabi Salaam that anfiq and spend. Don't ever fear any kind of lessening from the master of the Arsh and throne. When he said this, Nabi Salaam's face lit up. And he says that, This is what I have been instructed to do by Allah Ta'ala. 
That to spend, to spend in the cause of Allah Ta'ala. And never to feel that there will be any shortage in the treasures of Allah Ta'ala. Now this is a point of reflection for us. What we are being taught here is this generosity. One is throughout the world, what is going on, what are the conditions prevailing, what are the circumstances in which our Muslim brothers and sisters find themselves in. And then closer to us, around our own homes, in our own areas, in our country, what kind of conditions people are going through, the extreme poverty, ask those in the social field and they'll tell us that what pitiable situations people are in. Just today one person phoned, he's trying to now make some arrangement for some widow. You see, well, she's now found some kind of income where she does something fully observing the laws of hijab because she's got no other way to now fend for her children. Now she earns about 4,000 rands and 3,500 rands is her rent. Now this lady should never have had to be in that situation to have gone out to work to Sarafat. Though she is doing it well within the limits of Shariat and Deen, fully observing the laws of hijab, not intermingling with any non-mahram male. But why does she have to be outside? Because we have forgotten our responsibility. And if the ummah was fulfilling its responsibility in terms of taking care of the indigent, of the widows, of the orphans, of the needy, then there wouldn't have been any woman out of... One is those who have been caught up in the western cycle. They also have to have a career. They also have to have a better quality of life. But in the process, destroy every bit of the quality of life. For the so-called better quality of life, they also have to earn, despite the husband earning very good salary, he also has to earn. We're not talking about that category. Talking about those who are out of desperation, like this call that came today, have to find themselves in a situation where they have to now earn a living, whereas this is something that should have been taken care of by the wealth of the ummah. Let alone that wealth which is in excess and abundance which Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with. If the ummah has to only cut out the wastage, only the wastage is cut out. Perhaps there won't be people that have to beg. If we really reflect how much gets wasted, and wasted in sheer extravagance, wasted just to make a name for ourselves, wasted just to make a some kind of public display of something. If you look at what goes on in our weddings, how much of wealth is just squandered in deco, in so many other things. And here there are people who, there's a widow who can't work out how she's going to fend for herself and her children. Three and a half thousand rand, she must pay her rent and lights and water. And now she's got 500 rands left to feed three children and herself. And there's hundreds of thousands spent in deco. Can we answer to Allah on the day of Qiyamah for this? Many a times, this is something which happened many years ago, probably maybe about 18, 20 years ago, maybe more, Allah Alam. One person had come to, and he just bought a new car. 
So he had come to just show the car. MashaAllah, Allah Ta'ala bless somebody with the ni'mat, well and good. So, in the process we got talking. At that time, that car that he bought, whatever it was, so I asked him, how much was this? So he says, well, this is the top of the range. Top of the range, whatever price it was at that time. So now we're just taking some figures for our understanding. Let's just say half a million. That time it was much less, obviously. So 500,000. So asked him, this is 500,000, top of the range. And so what is the one below it? You see, the one below it is like about, at that time was like about a 30, 40,000 rand difference. So 30, 40,000 rand 20 years ago will be, wallahu alam, probably more than 100,000 now. So 100,000 difference. Asked him, 100,000 rand lesser, that car was, what's different between the two? The same model, this is the top of the range, that is one below. 100,000 rand difference, what's the difference? So he says, well, this can go at certain speed, 240 or 260, whatever it is. That will do about 200 maybe. The rest of it, he says, well, just the engine, there's a power of the engine that you're paying for. The rest of it, he says, the rest of it is the same. The comfort, comfort is the same. And all the extras and all the various things that go along in the technology, he says, no, that's all the same. This model and the one below it, all the same. This is the size of the engine, power of the engine. I said that the power of the engine is what you paid for. Forget this car, even that car, if you drive it at the 200, you'll be risking your life and the life of others. And how many times in your whole life you're going to get the chance to be able to safely drive this car beyond 200? And for that you paid 100,000 more. In our context today, I'm saying it, at the time it was 30,000 to 40,000 rands more. But for what? For something you will never use. And if you do use it, you'll be probably risking your own life and lives of others. But what we paid for? Can we imagine that 100,000, how many bellies it would have fed? And nobody is saying cut out on that luxury. That car below it too is just as luxurious. It's got the same comforts. It's got all the same facilities. It can do the speed beyond what you can safely drive. And we're spending for the balance for what? And here there are people who don't know where the next meal is going to come from. Let alone those without Iman, even our Muslim brothers and sisters. And likewise in so many other things, we're without cutting down on the luxury, but there's something beyond that luxury. Something which doesn't really matter, the difference doesn't matter. In terms of what it looks like, in terms of what it can provide, what comfort it can provide. But the difference is in the hundreds of thousands, in the tens of thousands. Now these occasions come, they don't just come to just, for us to just pass by. These are signboards to stop and take notice. Where are we heading? Is this lesson of generosity that fine? I also gave something in the path of Allah Ta'ala. I also fed a few orphans. I also, mashallah, whatever Allah Ta'ala give tawfiq. Allah Ta'ala give even more tawfiq and Allah Ta'ala accept that. But that doesn't mitigate against the wastage. Whatever good was done, mashallah, excellent. But if a person did 10 good, that doesn't make it any less evil to do 5 wrongs. So on the occasion of Ashura, while we are generous on our families, this is something to be doing, this is something that has a special virtue. It is also an occasion to stop and take note of this. That what are we 
What direction are we taking? Where are we heading to? And what is going to be of real benefit to us in the akhirat? That du'as that will come out of the heart of that child who perhaps didn't have shoes to walk to school. Or that child who didn't, there are many people who say that, one teacher said to me that many times a student is falling asleep. I asked him, well, what, what's the problem? He says, no, well, I got to walk a long distance and come because I can't afford the taxi fare. I've got to walk a long distance, I've got to wake up very early. Just because I cannot afford the taxi fare. So he says, well, you can't afford the taxi fare. He just asked out of curiosity, what do you have for breakfast? He says, no breakfast. No breakfast and walking a long distance, a few kilometers. Why? Because he can't afford anything. Can we imagine that money that we saved from some wastage and put some food in the belly of that child, gave him a pair of shoes to wear, and maybe perhaps provided for his transport, what du'as will come from that heart? And what du'as will come from that family? And this is what really takes a person forward. So in any case, this is one lesson for us to reflect on and something for us to ponder about. And the next time we are tempted to spend on something which is of no tangible benefit and doesn't even make any difference in terms of how good it looks because already looking very good. So then now we need to consider where we, where do we put this gift of Allah wa ta'ala, and at the same time this amanat and trust that Allah has blessed us with. Then comes the occasion of Ashura with another lesson. When Nabi Wasallam had come to Madinah Munawwara he had already been in the practice of fasting on the 10th of Muharram from Makkah Mukarramah. The history of this fast is that before the month of Ramadan became compulsory, this one fast in the year was compulsory. Subsequently, the fast of Ramadan became fard, this became optional and nafil. Nabi Islam used to keep it, and the Sahaba state that we didn't see Nabi Islam being so. Uh, very conscious about fasting on a particular day, meaning apart from Ramadan, like the 10th of Muharram. He used to be very eager and be very conscious about it that the 10th of Muharram is coming. And in one hadith, Nabi Islam says, this is the most beloved fast of Allah Ta'ala. After the month of Ramadan, Shahrullah al-Muharram, fast of Muharram. And in that is this Ashura. But when Nabi Islam came to Madina Munawwara, Sahaba were fasting on the instruction of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. They came to know that the Yahud are also fasting on this day. So when they heard about this or they realized this, so they immediately came to Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. They said, we are fasting on this 10th of Muharram, but the Jews are also fasting. Now the question is, why did they come to bring this forward? They are fasting, they were fasting from Makkah Mukarramah. They were fasting because Nabi Sallallahu gave them the virtue of the day. So it got nothing to do with the Jews. They didn't even know the Jews were fasting beforehand. They only came to know about this subsequently. So why was this brought to Rasulullah Sallallahu Why was this even mentioned? Because there was something very deeply ingrained in them. And that was that you maintain your identity as Muslims in every respect and don't ever resemble the Yahud, the Nasara, the Mushrikeen in any way. Don't resemble them in any way. There must be no resemblance with them. And 
this is something that must be very jealously guarded. Islamic identity, your Islamic culture, your way of life. Now when they saw this outward apparent resemblance, whereas this was not a resemblance in reality, this too rang a bell, alarm bell in them. Is this also in order or not? So they came to Rasulullah and they presented the situation that we are fasting on the 10th of Muharram, but the Jews also fast on this day. So, is this okay? So obviously, this was not because of the Jews that they were fasting. But then to Rasulullah said to them, Sumu Ashura wa Khaliful Yahud. That you continue fasting on the day of Ashura. We're not fasting because of them. But despite that, oppose the ways of the Jews. Oppose the Jews. How are you going to oppose them? You make it too fast. Sumu yawman qablahu aw yawman ba'da. You fast one additional day either before or after. So now you are fasting too fast, they are keeping one fast. So this is now that it breaks off that apparent resemblance also. That this apparent resemblance also, though this was not even known beforehand that they were fasting as well. But this apparent resemblance also was not maintained. What is this? And this is not only confined to this day of Ashura. In many, many instances, Nabi Wasallam would give some aspect of deen, but he would give it from this perspective. For example, Khaliful Mushrikeen. Nabi Wasallam said, oppose the Mushrikeen. U'ful luha shawarib. You lengthen your beard and you totally cut your mustache very, very finely. But what is the starting point? Khaliful Mushrikeen. Oppose the mushrikeen. Don't follow them, don't resemble them in any way. And similarly, the aspect of oppose the ways of the Yahud, oppose the ways of the Nasara, in many instances, this is a starting point, and then whatever Nabi Islam wanted to say. This is actually creating a certain mindset. Many a times, we do get involved, alhamdulillah, in amal. That too is a great gift from Allah Ta'ala. We do get involved in many good amal. Person will be conscious of his salah, alhamdulillah. Person will be conscious of halal and haram, that he must not do any haram dealings, mashallah, excellent. A person will keep, will engage in nafil ibadat, he'll be making tilawat of the Quran Sharif, he will even dress in a way that identifies him as a Muslim, excellent, all these are excellent. But then sometimes, some situation comes up which shows that the person's thinking nevertheless is not in the way that Nabi Islam has taught us. The thinking is in some other line. The mindset is something else. The mindset, for example now, what are the priorities in life? So the mindset is something else. The mindset is the ways of the Yahud and Nasara and whatever it takes to keep advancing oneself in dunya, even at the expense of deen, or in the manner of what is the direction of a mu'min, person now is faced with a situation that he wants to educate his daughter, so he wants to educate his daughter, so now she must go through the paces, and then she must go to university, and then what goes on there? One lecturer once mentioned, who is lecturing in a university, said to me that if I had my way, 
I will make sure not a single Muslim girl enters this place. He's a, he's a lecturer in the university and he's daily there. He knows what he's seeing. He knows what's going on. And he says, if I could have my way, and he's not somebody who is, Allah knows best who's, what is whose condition, what is the position of a person in the rank, in the sight of Allah Ta'ala, what is his rank, Allah Ta'ala alone knows. But he's not somebody who the public would generally think of somebody very pious. He saying, if I had my way, I won't allow one Muslim girl to enter this place. He knows what he's seeing. But now a person who has five times salah in him, he is making tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif daily also, he is going for umrah repeatedly, but he can't understand that this is not in order. How can I expose my daughter to this environment? His mindset is something else. And what is the mindset of Islam? What is the mindset that the Sahabiyat had? Is to understand this from one Hadith Sharif, how they understood deen. Once Nabi Islam woke up late at night, suddenly woke up. And Nabi Islam woke up saying, Subhanallah, Maza unzila laylata minal fitan. What fitnas have descended tonight? And those fitnas were to have unfolded later in time. Maza unzila minal khazayin. What treasures of Allah have also been descended? Those who will now save themselves from the fitnas, there's a treasures for them also. And what's going to be the way of saving oneself from the fitnas? So now Nabi Islam is giving an encouragement. Who's going to go and wake up the inhabitants of these rooms? Meaning the rooms of the Azwaj Mutahharat. Wake them up for what? To stand in front of Allah Ta'ala. And to make dua to Allah Ta'ala. And to beg His protection from all the fitnas. And then one of the fitnas that was to unfold later in time. At that time it was something very very far-fetched and very difficult to imagine. Nabi Islam said, Rubba kasiyatin fit dunya, ariyatun yawmal qiyamah. There will be many a woman who will be clothed in the world, but naked in the year after, on the day of qiyamah. Meaning in a manner of humiliation. Why? Because that which was called clothing which she wore in the world, in terms of the shariat, wasn't deserving to be called clothing. It was clothing only in name, but in reality it was shame. In reality it was shamelessness. It was immorality. Now there is one lesson Nabi Islam gave in that Hadith Sharif. But now we are talking about the spirit of Shariat, the thinking and the mindset. Now this Hadith is narrated by Sallallahu Salama radiallahu ta'ala anha. And the person that narrates it from her, this is an authentic narration of Sayyid Bukhari, Bukhari Sharif, person who narrates it from her is also a woman, Hind Bintul Harith. So now she heard this Hadith Sharif from Umm Salama radiallahu ta'ala anha. Now one is fatwa, but one other aspect is, that there is a certain mindset, a certain thinking, a certain spirit that Shariat has, which somebody wants to take wholeheartedly. What did she do when she heard this? That there will be those who will be clothed in dunya but yet naked on the day of Qiyamah. Why? Because they weren't clothed in the way that Shariat required of them. So now she made her sleeves right up to the fingers. And then what? In Bukhari Sharif, Imam Bukhari Rahmatullah mentions it. 
from Imam Zuhri rahmatullah She put buttons which will now hold the sleeve. She put the button between the fingers so that you hold the sleeve in place so that no matter what happens, that sleeve will never now slide backwards anywhere and expose any part below the wrist because that is satar, that is aura for the woman. Now, that was not the fatwa. But that was the mindset that had already been created that when she heard something, this is how she reacted. This reaction comes from the mindset. There's a certain mindset that this is a reaction. Nabi Wasallam repeatedly created the mindset of akhirat. Once some silken cloth came to Madina Munawara. So now this came. The Sahaba were very, very astonished. They're holding it, they're feeling it, subhanallah, such soft cloth. And silk for men to wear is not permissible, but for women to wear is permissible. Somebody can buy it, sell it, that's fine, that's permissible. In any case, they were touching it, feeling it, and amazed at this. Subhanallah, this is what, we've never felt something like this. Immediately, immediately, Nabi Islam looked at this and he heard this, these kind of comments, and he said to them, لَمَنَادِيلُ سَعَدٍ فِي الْجَنَّةِ what are you becoming so amazed at this? The handkerchief. Handkerchief the handkerchief is the very, very menial type of cloth used for just cleaning one's, oneself in so many ways. See, what are you looking at this in such amazement? Saad bin Muaz is in Jannat and his handkerchiefs are better than this cloth. His handkerchiefs are better than this cloth. Don't be so amazed about this. Fine, use it if you go meaning whatever permissible ni'mats they are, use the permissible ni'mats. Don't become astonished and amazed about it. Keep your gaze towards the akhirat. Use it, but keep your gaze towards akhirat. This was the mindset. It was a mindset that was being created. The mindset of being focused towards akhirat. And likewise on this occasion, the mindset that was being created is, don't have any resemblance with the Yahud and Nasara. Islam is a complete way of life. And there's total balance in it. On the one hand, the rights of even the Yahud and Nasara will be fulfilled. Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala he had a neighbor who was a Yahudi. Whenever he would enter his house, and if there was something that was brought in, some fruit or whatever else, he would ask the people of the house, Jaruna al-Yahudi, Jaruna al-Yahudi, have you sent for our Yahudi neighbor anything yet? This fruit came, you sent something for our Yahudi neighbor? This food that was prepared, you send some for a Yahudi neighbor. He's our neighbor, he has the rights over us. So, he will be treated with kindness, he'll be treated with compassion. To feed him is also a reward. To protect his life and honor is also a reward. But we will not compromise on our deen, on our culture, on the culture of the sunnah of Rasulullah That will not compromise on for anybody. We will be kind to everyone. We will be compassionate to everyone. But we will not compromise on our culture and our deen. But when we don't maintain this, we don't jealously guard it, then the mindset changes. And how badly it changes, Allah forbid, sometimes it erodes the very foundation of iman. One incident which, whether once previously I mentioned it here or not, where these little children in a nursery, nursery class not far off from us. 
In a nursery class, these little children were being taught something. And in the process, the teacher, the lady teacher, she felt, just let's ask them something to see what is in their minds. What are they thinking about? So as they were coming along in the little groups, and she was talking to them in a roundabout way, and then she just asked them, who is greater? One at a time she's asking, who is greater? Allah or the power ranges? At that time, 15 odd years ago, this was some, some kind of cartoon characters on television. Some macho and very strong kind of people, Allah knows best, all this imaginary things. So now she's asking children born in Muslim homes, children coming from homes where the parents are conscious of deen, asking them who is greater, Allah or the power rangers. So then she wrote the report and sent herself that from the class of 17 children, about 7 said, Na'uzubillah, power rangers. 7 said power rangers. It's not just cartoons, it's mind-bending. It changes the whole thinking. It changes the whole aspirations of a person. When that baby is barely born, the first teaching of deen is give the azan in the ear of the child. Give the takbir in the ear of the child. And the azan six times it will come Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. What can that child understand? Yes, it can understand. That is why we have been told give the azan in the ear. It may not understand, but he's being affected by it. The heart is being affected by that azan. And the greatness of Allah Ta'ala, the seeds are being planted in the heart of the child. That is why we have been given the command in Shariat. The Shariat won't tell us to do something futile. So this was the lesson Nabi Stasum was embedding. Sumu Ashura wa khaliful Yahud. You continue fasting on Ashura, but don't resemble the Yahud. Sumu Yawman Qablahu wa Yawman Ba'da. Then one of the lessons that we learn on this occasion, Nabi Stasum was told that the Jews fast on the 10th of Muharram. So he called them. And he asked them, why do you fast? So they replied and said, Musa salam, and the Bani Israel was saved from Fir'aun and his people on this day. It was the 10th of Muharram. So as this kind of shukar, thanksgiving to Allah Ta'ala, we fast on this day. So Nabi Islam said to them, Nahnu awla bi Musa minkum. We are more worthy of Musa salam and closer to him than you are. We have more right to be thankful to Allah Ta'ala for having, for Musa Islam being saved on that day. The lesson of shukr. The lesson of being grateful to Allah Ta'ala for all his bounties and ni'mads. The greatest bounty being the bounty of Iman. The bounty of Islam. The bounty of the Quran Sharif. The bounty of all the things of deen. So now to protect that, to safeguard that Iman in ourselves, in our families, in our communities, in the ummah at large, to make an effort for that, to safeguard our deen, to safeguard our Islamic culture and identity. And to be grateful to Allah Ta'ala for all the limbs and faculties He has given us by using it in a way that will earn the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. And really there is no peace in anything else. Peace is only and contentment is only in the obedience of Allah Ta'ala. The extent that we will submit ourselves to Allah Ta'ala, to that extent this peace and contentment and serenity will come. Just to round up with one lesson of our Hazrat Wala Hazrat Shah Hakim Akhtar Sahib Rahmatullahi which he summed up regarding this peace and contentment in one couplet. 
that sometimes we see what's going on outside and we get also deceived by what it seems that people are having a good time with. Allah says that Dushmano ku eshe abo gil diya or dosto ku apna darde dil diya. There's been a kind of distribution. The distribution is Allah gave his enemies all the leisures and pleasures of the world. Everything go. Dunya sijinul mu'min wa jannatul kafir. You have it all. No restriction and no inhibition and nothing. You can, that's up to you. So, dushmano ku eshe abo gil diya. So, this is what Allah gave his enemies. All the leisures and pleasures. What he gave his friends. Dosto ku apna darde dil diya. Allah gave his love to his friends. Now, happiness is in the heart. Happiness is not outside. Happiness is not in things. If there's happiness in the heart, a person will enjoy the external comforts also. If there's happiness in the heart. And if there's no happiness, if the heart is in turmoil, everything outside will be totally of no, no use. So let's say that this is the distribution Allah has made. But then how does this unfold? Second step. Second step is that unko sahil par bhi tughyani mili aur humko tufano mein bhi sahil diya. Now outwardly it seems that this person is subhanallah, he seems to be having a grand time. This is go ask them in their hearts. Sahil par bhi unko tughyani mili. That even on the shore, they were battered by the waves of turmoil. The shore is supposed to be calm on the shore also this person is in turmoil or humku tughyani may be sahil diya that we are in the midst of the ocean very very rough ocean all kinds of challenges but in the midst of all that also there is peace in the midst of all the challenges also there is serenity there is peace person is not in turmoil so the lesson is to the extent that we acquire this muhabbat of Allah Ta'ala, to that extent this peace will come to the extent we acquire this love of Allah Ta'ala, to that extent, even in the midst of challenges, a person will not be overwhelmed. So this occasion and all these auspicious occasions come to give us this signboards and this direction, give us these reminders and make us realize which direction we are heading in, prepare for the Akhirat, get our accounts settled with Allah Ta'ala. And the very important lesson that to develop and embed this mindset of deen, this mindset of the sunnah of Rasulullah not resembling the Yahud and Nasara in any way. And the lessons of shukr, Allah Ta'ala bless us with all these great lessons. Allah Ta'ala embed them in our hearts. Allah Ta'ala grant us the best of dunya and akhirat. Allah Ta'ala keep us steadfast on iman, take us on iman, and raise us on the day of qiyamah to the iman. اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جزا الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله ربنا علمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تخفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين رب اغفر وارحم واعف وتكرم وتجاوز عما تعلم إنك أنت الأعز الأكرم ربنا توفنا مسلمين والحقنا بالشهداء والصالحين غير خزايا ولا نداما ولا مفتونين اللهم ثبتنا على الإيمان وأمتنا على الإيمان 
واحشرنا يوم القيامه مع الايمان يا مقلب القلوب ثبت قلوبنا على دينك يا مصرف القلوب صرف قلوبنا على طاعتك ربنا هب لنا من ازواجنا وذرياتنا قره اعين واجعلنا للمتقين اماما ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الابرار ربنا واتنا ما وعدتنا على رسلك ولا تخزنا يوم القيامه انك لا تخلف الميعاد اللهم انا نسالك من خير ما سالك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم انت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوه الا بالله العلي العظيم ربنا تقبل منا انك انت السميع العليم وتب علينا يا مولانا انك انت التواب الرحيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد واله وصحبه اجمعين والحمد لله رب العالمين